Welcome to the Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller from WMHT.org. David Allen Miller conducts the Albany Symphony, and he provides commentary on the WMHT Live broadcast. David's commentary is full of fascinating stories about the music, the performances, and more. In order to keep the program mostly music, some of what he provides ends up on the cutting room floor. This podcast contains no music, but it does contain all of David Allen Miller's commentary from the concert broadcast on WMHT Live from WMHT-FM, your classical companion. The Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony concert broadcast is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. In formulating this season's Beethoven Festival, I knew that I wanted to perform all five of the concerti, the piano concertos, in order of composition. And uh, that's not a particularly unique idea, although it's a wonderful way to get a, a great sense of Beethoven in his sort of early and middle periods, his evolution. And it's often done by other orchestras almost always with a single pianist. Famous pianists like Jeffen Bronfman or Emanuel Axe, I'm sure, have many times done the cycle over a weekend or over a series of concerts, a week, a month, or whatever it might be. But uh, the innovative twist that I, I had in mind was to go to the great Emanuel Axe, who opened our season this year uh, with a beautiful mozart Franck program. And uh, because I know that he's a, a very distinguished teacher as well as one of our greatest concert pianists, uh, to ask him if we could possibly feature five of his different students, because I know he teaches at the Juilliard School, feature each of the students on a different one of the of the concerti. So I knew he'd love this idea because uh, Emmanuel Axe is one of the most self-effacing, humble people and would do anything for his students. And when I said it, I'd like to feature five of your current students, he laughed and he said, I don't have five current students. He said, I, I have one or one and a half students at any given time at the Juilliard. Now, I'm not sure what one and a half students constitutes, but it sounds like he basically has one and sometimes he'll have another or someone at one of the pre-concert talks said, you know, maybe he's just teaching the left hand to somebody and that constitutes the half student. I'm not sure. But he said, I, I have one at a time, so I, I can't really do that with you. And I said, well, how about your recent and maybe not so recent uh, alumni, your, your former students? Well, he loved that idea. And he said, oh, I have such great former students who are beginning to emerge as, as sort of major performing talents. Some really have already emerged, and others are, are just beginning their careers. And so um, he and I sort of put together a list of, of five pianists that we thought would be wonderful to play each of these five concerti, sort of based on his ideas of their, their personalities and their predilections. So we went about uh, uh, putting together this concert with these five brilliant young pianists. One of them is someone whom we know very well at the Albany Symphony. We've, we've performed with him a number of times and recorded with him. We made a beautiful Christopher Rouse CD with him two springs ago. That's Orion Weiss, who is already having a a very major career in playing with orchestras all over the country and, and the world as well. We also knew another of, of Manny's youngest students, who actually is not technically his student. He may be one of the half-students. Uh, the young pianist George Lee is a 20-year-old pianist and currently a student at Harvard. George is from Boston and obviously lives in Boston, but in the summertime comes over to Tanglewood and takes the occasional lesson with Manny. So we included him. And the other, the other three pianists we were planning to feature are all either current or recently former students. So for this program, the program of the first three concerti, we featured three absolutely extraordinary young pianists. Uh, I should start by saying that the order of the program is not what you might imagine. It actually goes concerto number two, then concerto number one, 
we had intermission and then a concerto number three. Uh, that's because even though the concerti are numbered that way, the second concerto, the so-called concerto number two, the B-flat major concerto, was actually written probably between seven and ten years earlier than the one that's published as number one. Uh, so uh, number one is really number two, and number two is really number one. But we wanted to give our, our public and give you, our listening public, a really great insight into Beethoven's evolution through these pieces. So we began the concert with the second concerto. The pianist is a fabulous young Swiss uh, born pianist, a French Swiss from Geneva. His name is Louis Schwitzgebel. His father is Swiss, his mother is Chinese, and he's completely bilingual and bicultural, but he speaks with a wonderful French accent and is a very flamboyant, sort of French style pianist, and uh, played this piece with all the necessary elan and, and charm. Uh, this is a piece from very early in Beethoven's career, probably written in its earliest form as early as 1790 or even late in the 1780s. Uh, Beethoven, as you remember, was born in 1770, so Uh, This is a piece from maybe his 18th, 19th, or 20th year. He wrote it when he was still living in Bonn, before he made his important move to Vienna in 1792. And so it's really a very youthful work. It is a work not surprisingly modeled on Beethoven's great hero, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Uh, You might remember that Beethoven actually made a trip to Vienna in the hopes of studying with Mozart, who already was too sick to see him, and never, as far as we know, even met Mozart, but eventually came back to Vienna in 1792 and ended up studying with Haydn uh, and was greatly influenced by both composers, but uh, certainly in the piano concertos because Mozart was such a a pioneer in in essence uh, inventing the modern form of the piano concerto. Uh, Beethoven knew his greatest, most famous late concerti and performed a number of them and had memorized them and studied them greatly and and Mozart was one of his singular heroes. So not surprisingly, this piece is very much influenced by Mozart, informed by Mozart, uh, and has that sort of wonderful classical charm. At the same time, it doesn't sound like Mozart. It sounds Sounds in a certain way much more like Haydn, and and it also sounds just like the voice of a very interesting and exciting young composer just beginning to find his own personal voice. So uh, Beethoven wrote the piece probably in 1789 or 1790, and then extensively reworked it during the first part of the 1790s. It became one of his calling cards. You know, when, when he first arrived in Vienna, he was much more famous as a pianist than as a composer, and in those early years, that's how he was known. He was called the Leuve von Wien, the Lion of Vienna. Vienna because he had that big mane of wild hair and he played these amazing concerts and played with a technique that no one had ever seen or heard before. Uh, and so this was one of his uh, exhibition pieces. It features a, 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 some, a wonderful cadenza in the first movement that uh, Beethoven wrote. In fact, this evening on this program, all three of the concerti have cadenzas penned by Beethoven. Now, a cadenza, of course, is that big moment usually at the end of the first movement uh, when the orchestra hits a big 6-4 chord fairly close to the end and then the pianist sort of takes off off in these amazing flights of fancy without the orchestra to show off what he or she can do. Pianists often are encouraged to uh, improvise, to extemporize cadenzas, but at the same time, Beethoven and many other pianists would, would actually write down their improvisation. So we have uh, Beethoven's own wonderfully uh, inventive cadenzas for all three of the concertos you're going to hear. This one and the other two were also written much later than the time of the of the concerto, so it's in a slightly more mature Beethovenian idiom. We think these uh, cadenzas were all written around 1809 or so. So uh, this is Beethoven's first created full-scale concerto. He'd actually 
uh, penned an earlier student one uh, when he was about 14, but never orchestrated it. So this is his first fully completed concerto, the concerto number two in B-flat major. The pianist is the French-Swiss pianist Louis Schwitzgebel, accompanied by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was Ludwig van Beethoven's Concerto Number no. 2, so-called, when in fact it is, it is really his first concerto, performed by Louis Schwitzgebel, pianist, and the Albany Symphony. Next on the program, one of my absolute favorite concerti. This is probably the one that I did first, uh, that I conducted first as a young conductor. And uh, just an incredibly exciting, charming, dramatic, really rather mature-sounding piece, still from what I guess we consider Beethoven's early period, probably uh, first conceived and written in the 17, uh, around 1797-98, and uh, worked on by Beethoven in reaching its final form around 1800, published as number one in 1801, and then one year later, uh, he published the so-called Concerto Number no. 2, which we just heard. This work uh, really shows an incredible maturity in Beethoven's voice. Again, I think the models are mainly Mozart, the great C major concerto of Mozart, uh, K503, one of his last great concerti. And yet, Beethoven is doing something very new and, and unique. C major is a very bright, brilliant key in general, and particularly for Beethoven. And so the piece uh, begins with a fabulous very extensive uh, first movement that's kind of a, a, a regal march. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. And uh, he builds this to wonderful fantasy. Also, in, in addition to the influence of Mozart, you know, Beethoven, even in his early music and, and profoundly in his very late music, uh, is much influenced by the example of Johann Sebastian Bach. Even though Bach had kind of fallen out of general public favor at this time, uh, connoisseurs and and piano students certainly knew his music. Beethoven is reputed to have memorized the entire first book of the Well-Tempered Clavier, uh, all those preludes and fugues, by the time he was about 16 years of of age, and uh, was throughout his career much influenced by by counterpoint, by Baroque uh, fugue and things like that. And we hear a good bit of that in this wonderful theme and the way he works it in the first movement. The second movement is really his first fully mature uh, slow movement. It's a, a gorgeous, very expressive slow movement. Uh, And the third movement is just a riotous, fun, exciting, uh, rambunctious kind of movement that Beethoven would become justly famous for. It also has a a fascinating middle part that sounds as if uh, Beethoven is uh, single-handedly inventing a hundred years before its time, vaudeville or boogie woogie music or Keystone Cops music. It's this da 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 dum, 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 da 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 dum. Now maybe it was based on some sort of Hungarian idea of his, but it sounds fantastically vaudeville-like and always makes me chuckle. It's a great, rather monumental concerto for this time, uh, and shows uh, the direction forward that Beethoven would take of these rather ever-expanding themes and structures and and ever larger architecture. The pianist in this one is this amazing young pianist, George Lee, uh, 20 years old from Boston. He's a summer occasional student of Emmanuel Axe, um, studies in Boston where he's a sophomore at Harvard. I should mention that also uh, last summer he became extremely famous overnight uh, when he went to Moscow and competed in the Tchaikovsky competition. The Tchaikovsky competition is possibly the most famous music competition in the world, and George placed second. He got the silver 
silver medal uh, in the piano division, and that has kind of catapulted him to an amazing international career. He's playing all over Europe, America, and of course Russia, and has more dates than he knows what to do with. So we were very touched that he was able to hold on to our date and show up and play this uh, first concerto with us. I should mention once again that the monumental cadenza uh, at the end of the first movement is entirely by Beethoven and written again in 1809, so a good long period after the creation of the concerto. It's in a, a much more mature style and really has incredible fantasy and uh, in, invention in it taken from the themes of this first movement. So here now, Beethoven's Piano Concerto Number no. 1 in C major. The pianist is George Lee, accompanied by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. The Conductor's Notes podcast, featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony concert broadcast, is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. The final work on our program is uh, yet another step forward in Beethoven's evolution. Since he probably started creating the first concerto in the late 1790s, this work is from about 1802. So maybe five years after the beginning of the first concerto, uh, he penned number three. And this, again, is an incredible step forward. 1802, when this concerto was written, is really a a crisis year for Beethoven. It's the year in which he wrote that very famous letter that he never sent uh, called the Heiligenstadt Testament. It was a letter ostensibly to his brothers in which he basically said that he was even thinking of, of, of ending his life because he was so despondent and so hopeless about this issue of his hearing loss that had become much more pronounced in the previous year or two. And yet, fortunately for all of us, uh, he managed to soldier through. But, but he, he speaks in this letter so eloquently about what a tragedy it is generally to lose one's hearing, but as a, a, a performer as well as a creator of music, to lose the ability to hear sounds is the most terrible sort of punishment that could possibly happen to him. Very heart-wrenching. And yet, at this time, that's sometimes reflected in his music and sometimes not. This is the period, the year, actually, in which he wrote the second symphony, one of his most buoyant and celebratory early symphonies. And uh, yet, at the same time, he wrote the C minor piano concerto, uh, the one we're about to hear. Uh, This is the only uh, one of the five concerti in a minor key, and it does have a great deal of of darkness to it, starting from the very, very beginning. Uh, This bum, 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 it's a very brooding, dark piece. And once again, he's expanded the length of the concerto. Uh, the material occupies much more time than it had in, in either the first or the second. And it's a, a very ambitious work, beautiful, uh, searching, dark first movement. Uh, perhaps the most innovative of the three movements is the second movement, which is an extremely ornate and involved, very florid, beautiful E major. It's in a very distant key from the first movement and from the key of the concerto, but a a really heavenly, beautiful, slow second movement. Uh, This is a a movement that I think was much loved by the romantic piano composers who came after him, and and they modeled a great number of works on on this movement. Uh, It's the most florid and uh, kind of uh, extravagantly decorative of all the slow movements 
movements in the Beethoven concertos. Uh, the last movement, um, back to a, a very rollicking, but again, still rather dark rondo. Uh, this piece was written for, a, was composed for a, a, one of these epic concerts that Beethoven gave. Concerts at this time were incredibly long affairs. Uh, this concert that was given on April 5th, 1803, it didn't only feature the premiere of this concerto, but in addition, it featured the premiere of Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Two, uh, the entire oratorio "Christ on the Mount of Olives," and uh, also an encore of a symphony that had been premiered a little while earlier, the Symphony Number no. One. So, Symphony Number no. One, Symphony Number no. Two, "Christ on the Mount of Olives," the third piano concerto, as well as uh, piano improvisations and other works as well. There are lots of stories about how the the dress rehearsal went on from eight in the morning until three in the afternoon, when Prince Lichnowsky, one of Beethoven's great champions, had to send out for cold cuts and wine to sort of fortify the musicians, that Beethoven was in bed at five in the morning uh, writing out trombone parts for the oratorio. So con- uh, concerts back in this era were rather alfresco affairs. They were kind of thrown together at the last minute. And then at the performance, Beethoven had been so busy creating the, the orchestral parts that he had not had time to actually write out the piano parts. There's a very funny account by a, a young conductor who was a good friend uh, and student of, of Beethoven's, Ignaz von Seyfried. Um, he was a newly appointed young conductor of the theater on der Wien, uh, and, and he writes about being the page turner for Beethoven in this performance. He said, but heaven help me, it was easier said than done. I saw almost nothing but empty leaves, at the most on one page or another, a few Egyptian hieroglyphs, wholly unintelligible to me, were scribbled down to serve as clues for him. For he played nearly the whole solo part from memory, since, as was so often the case, he'd not had time to set it all down on paper. He gave me a secret glance whenever he was at the end of one of the invisible passages, and my scarcely concealable anxiety not to miss the decisive moment amused him greatly, and he laughed heartily at the jovial supper which we ate afterward." Again, another one of these epic, magnificent uh, cadenzas at the end of the first movement, thrilling piece. Uh, the pianist for this concerto is a, an absolutely incredible, very introspective and uh, emotionally rich Korean-born pianist, Dong Hyek Lim. He has lived not only in Korea, but lived for a number of years in Moscow, Russia, and uh, in Berlin, and of course in New York when he was a student at the Juilliard School working with Emmanuel Axe. He's now moved back to Berlin and is pursuing a, a career mainly in Europe, but but around the world. And it was great fun to, to encounter him and uh, and Louis Schwitzgabel for the very first time and to see our old friends George Lee and Orion Weiss on the festival as well. So here now, Beethoven's Piano Concerto Number no. 3 in C minor from 1801-1802. The pianist is Dong Hyek Lim, accompanied by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. Thanks for listening to the Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller of the Albany Symphony Orchestra from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org.